Section 15 of Selections from the Table Talk of Martin Luther. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Selections from the Table Talk of Martin Luther by Martin Luther. Translated by Henry Bell. Section 15 Of the Law and the Gospel That We Ought to Beware of Sophistry if said luther we diligently mark the world and the course thereof we shall find that it is governed merely by weanings or conceits mundus regitur opinionibus therefore sophistry hypocrisy and tyranny do rule and have the government in the world the upright pure and clear divine word must be their handmaid and be by them controlled this the world will have therefore let us beware of sophistry which consisteth not only in a double tongue in doubtful and screwed words which may be construed any way but it also blossometh and flourisheth in all arts and vocations it will likewise have room and place in religion it hath usurped and got a fine painted colour under the name of holy writ nothing is more pernicious or hurtful than sophistry every one knoweth it not moreover we are by nature prone and willing to believe lies rather than the truth few people do know what an evil sophistry is plato the heathen writer made thereof a wonderful definition for my part said luther i compare it with a lie which is like to a snowball the longer it is rolled the greater it becomes therefore i do not approve of such persons as do pervert everything do undervalue and find fault with other men's opinions although they be good and sound I like not such brains which can dispute on both sides and yet conclude nothing certain. Such sophistications, said Luther, are nothing but crafty and subtle inventions and contrivances to cozen and deceive people. But I like and love an honest and a well-affected mind, that seeketh after truth simply and plainly, not to go about with fantasies and cheating tricks, whether we should preach only of God's grace and mercy or not philip melanchthon demanded of luther whether the opinion of calixtus were to be approved of namely that the gospel of god's grace ought to be continually preached for thereby doubtless said melanchthon people would grow worse and worse luther answered him and said we must preach gratiam notwithstanding because christ hath commanded it and although we long and often preach of grace yet when people are at the point of death they know but little thereof Nevertheless, we must also drive on with the Ten Commandments in due time and place. The ungodly, said Luther, out of the gospel do suck only a carnal freedom, and become worse thereby. Therefore not the gospel, but the law belongeth to them. Even as when my little son John offendeth, if then I should not whip him, but call him to the table unto me, and give him sugar and plums, thereby indeed I should make him worse, yea, should quite spoil him. The gospel is like a fresh, mild, and cool air in the extreme heat of summer, that is, a solace and comfort in the anguish of the conscience. But as this heat proceedeth from the rays of the sun, so likewise the terrifying of the conscience must proceed from the preaching of the law, to the end we may know that we have offended against the laws of God. Now, said Luther, when the mind is refreshed and quickened again by the cool air of the gospel, then we must not be idle, lie down and sleep that is when our consciences are settled in peace quieted and comforted through god's spirit then we must show also and prove our faith by such good works which god hath commanded 
but so long as we live in this vale of misery we shall be plagued and vexed with flies with beetles with vermin etc that is with the devil with the world and with our own flesh yet we must press through and not suffer ourselves to recoil against the opposers of the law i do much condemn said luther the antinomians who void of all shame reject the doctrine of the law whereas the same is both necessary and profitable but they see not the effect the need and the fruit thereof st austin did picture the strength the office and operation of the law by a very fit similitude namely that it discovereth our sins and god's wrath against sin and placeth them in our sight for the law is not in fault but our evil and wicked nature even as a heap of lime is still and quiet until water be poured thereon but then it beginneth to smoke and to burn not that it is the fault of the water but it is the nature and kind of the lime which will not endure water but if oil be poured upon it then it lieth still and burneth not even so it is with the law and gospel it is an exceedingly fair similitude of the children's faith the little children said luther do stand on the best terms with god almighty concerning their lives and faith we old doting fools do torment ourselves and have sorrow of heart with our disputings touching the word whether it be true or not how can it be possible etc but the children with simple pure faith do hold the same to be certain and true without all doubting now if we intend to be saved we must according to their example give ourselves only to the word but the wicked and crafty spirit before we be aware can master-like draw the same away from us by presenting new dealings and business to keep us in action therefore best it were for us soon to die and to be covered over with shovels the loving children do live innocently they know of no sins they are without malice wrath covetousness and unbelief etc therefore they are merry and possess a good conscience they fear no danger whether wars pestilence or death they will take an apple rather than a crown what they hear concerning christ of the life to come etc the same do they believe simply and plainly and prattle joyfully thereof from whence christ speaketh unto us old ones earnestly to follow their examples where he saith whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of god as a little child shall in no wise enter therein for the children believe aright and Christ loveth them with their childish sports. On the contrary, he is an enemy to the wisdom of the world. Matthew 11. Of an example of faith in a time of dearth. At Eiselben, said Luther, I was well acquainted with a godly matron, who in the time of the last dearth with two children had suffered extreme want and need. Now when she had spent all her provision and had nothing more to live upon, she trimmed herself with her children and went towards a well or fountain to drink. In her going she prayed that God would be pleased to preserve and keep her in that fierce time of dearth. Upon the way a man met her, questioned and disputed with her whether she thought to get something to eat at the fountain. She said, Yea, why not, for all things are possible to God and easy to be done. He that fed the great multitude of the people of Israel forty years with manna in the wilderness, he can also preserve me and mine with drinking of water. Now as she remained steadfast in that mind, the man said unto her, Behold, seeing thou art so confident in faith, go home, and thou shalt find three bushels of meal, etc. And according to the man's word, so she found it. That faith is the only rule in divinity. There is but one only rule, an article in divinity. He that knoweth not well the same is no divine. 
namely, upright faith and confidence in Christ. Out of this article all the others do flow and issue forth, and without this article the others are nothing. The devil, said Luther, hath opposed this article from the beginning of the world, and would long since willingly have rooted it out, and instead thereof have laughed in his fist. Sorrowful, broken, tormented, and vexed hearts, said Luther, do well relish this article, and they only understand the same. Of the consequences of faith, believest thou? Then thou wilt speak boldly. Speakest thou boldly? Then thou must suffer. Sufferest thou? Then thou shalt be comforted. For, said Luther, faith, the confession thereof, and the cross do follow one after another. That the enemies of the gospel must bear witness to the doctrine of faith, that thereby we are only justified before God. John Frederick, prince-elector of Saxony, told me himself, said Luther, that as Prince John, the eldest son of Prince George, was near the time of his death, he desired to receive the communion under both kinds. But when his father was informed thereof, he caused an Austin friar to be called to his son, to give him good instructions for his soul's health, and to advise him to receive the sacrament sub una specie, or under one kind, and that he should tell his son he was the same friar who was privately acquainted with Martin Luther, and was very conversant with him, and the better to make the prince believe him, the friar said that Luther himself lately had advised certain persons to receive the communion under one kind. Now when this good and godly prince was thus pitifully induced to give credit to the friar's false information, he then received the communion under one kind. But when the prince his father saw that his son drew near to his last gasp and must needs die, then he comforted his son with the article of justification by faith in Christ, and put him in mind to have regard only to the Saviour of the world, and utterly to forget all his own works and deserts, and also that he should banish out of his heart the invocating of the saints. Now when the son in his conscience felt great solace and comfort by these his father's admonitions, he asked his father why he did not cause the same comfortable doctrine to be preached openly throughout all his countries. His father answered and said, Loving child, we must say thus only to those that are dying, and not to the sound and healthful. Whereupon, said Luther, I told the prince-elector that his highness might perfectly discern how willfully our adversaries do oppose the known truth. Albert, Bishop of Mentz, and Prince George do know and confess that our doctrine is according to God's word. And yet, because it proceedeth not from the Pope, they refuse it. But their own consciences do strike them down to the ground. Therefore, said Luther, I fear them not. Of love towards the neighbor. The love towards the neighbor, said Luther, must be like a pure and chaste love between bride and bridegroom, where all faults are connived at, covered and borne with, and only their virtues regarded. Respecting ceremonies and ordinances, the kingdom of love must have the precedency, and govern, and not tyranny. It must be a willing love, and not a halter love. It must altogether be directed and construed for the good and profit of the neighbor, and the greater he be that doth govern, the more, said Luther, he ought to serve according to love. Of that sentence, Give, and it shall be given unto you. This is a true speech which maketh people poor and rich. It is that which maintaineth my house. I ought not to boast, said Luther, but I well know what I give in the year. If my gracious lord and master the prince-elector should give a gentleman two thousand guilders, yet he should hardly maintain my housekeeping one year. And I have but three hundred guilders pension per annum, yet God giveth sufficient and blesseth it. 
there is in austria a monastery which in former time was very rich and remained rich so long as it willingly gave to the poor but when it ceased in giving then it became poor and is so to this day it fell out that not long since a poor man came thither and desired alms which was denied the poor man demanded the cause why they refused to give for god's sake the porter belonging to the monastery answered and said we are become poor whereupon the poor man said the cause of your poverty is this ye have had in this monastery two brethren the one ye have thrust out and the other is gone secretly away of himself for after the one brother give date was put out and cashiered so hath the other brother so shall be given davitur also lost himself and indeed the world is bound to help the neighbor three manner of ways with giving lending and selling but no man giveth but robbeth scrapeth and draweth all to himself would willingly take and steal but give nothing neither will any man lend but upon usury no man selleth but he overreacheth his neighbor therefore dabitur is gone and our lord god will bless no more so richly beloved said luther he that intendeth to have anything the same must also give a liberal hand was never in want nor empty that giving must be done with a free heart without expecting a requital in an evening luther walking abroad to take the air gave alms to the poor dr jonas being with him gave also something and said who knoweth whether god will give it me again or no whereat luther smiling answered him and said you speak as if god had not given you this which you have now given to the poor we must give freely and willingly of the expounding of the prophet isaiah's speech in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength this sentence was expounded by luther in this way if thou intendest to vanquish the greatest the most abominable and wickedest enemy who is able to do thee mischief both in body and soul and against whom thou preparest all sorts of weapons but canst not overcome then know that there is a sweet and loving physical herb which serveth for the same and that herb is named pacentia but thou wilt say how may i attain to this physic answer take unto thee faith who saith no creature can do me mischief without the will of god now in case thou receivest hurt and mischief by thine enemy the same is done by the sweet and gracious will of god in such sort that the enemy hurteth himself a thousand times more from hence floweth unto me a christian the love which saith i will instead of the evil which mine enemy doth unto me do him all the good i can i will heap coals of fire upon his head this said luther is the christian armor and weapon wherewith to beat and overcome those enemies that seem to be like huge mountains in a word love teacheth to suffer and endure all things of comfort against envy a certain honest and god-fearing man at wittenberg lately told me said luther he lived peaceably with every one hurt no man but was still and quiet yet notwithstanding said he many people were enemies unto him i comforted him in this manner and said arm yourself with patience and give them no cause of envy i pray what cause do we give the devil what aileth him to be so great an enemy unto us but only because he hath not that which god hath i know none other cause of his vehement hatred towards us therefore when god giveth thee to eat then eat when he causeth thee to fast have patience giveth he honour take it hurt or shame endure it casteth he thee into prison murmur not will he make thee a lord follow him 
casteth he thee down again, so care thou not for it, nor regard it, that patience is necessary in every particular. I, said Luther, must have patience with the Pope. I must have patience with heretics and seducers. I must have patience with the roaring courtiers. I must have patience with my servants. I must have patience with Kate, my wife. To conclude, the patiences are so many, that my whole life is nothing but patience. The prophet Isaiah saith, In being silent and hoping consisteth our strength. That is, have patience under sufferings, hope, and despair not. End of section 15. Recording by Philip Gould.